Welcome to the 49th Meal Podcast. My name is Mitchell Howe and I am your host. I'm going to take you along a journey throughout the state of Alaska where we'll meet the men and women that make the food that you love. All right, everybody, welcome back to the 49th Meal. So we are with the Roaming Root, which is a really cool concept, but I will let Erica introduce herself and tell you all about her really cool business. Hey, yeah, so um, the Roaming Root is basically it's a, a specialty food market or a local Alaskan food market. Um, we only sell products that are made or grown in Alaska, and it is in a 1976 uh, Bluebird International bus. So we get to just kind of travel around the Fairbanks area and reach different folks on different days and connect them with local goodness. And what what got you started with this? I mean, it's such a unique idea. How How did it come about? <laughs> Um, so I cannot take credit for the idea at all. <laughs> um, I was working with the Small Business Development Center on a business plan for a farm. And like the numbers just weren't adding up. It's it's really hard to be a farmer in the interior for a lot of different reasons. And uh, so like the numbers weren't adding up. And I was like, oh man, this is going to have to be like a second full-time job for as long as we do it. You know, it just isn't going to work out. And so the woman I was working with at the Small Business Development Center was like, well, hey, check this out. Like, you know, you have a background in logistics, and uh, so maybe you need to refocus your energies. And um, she was like, these are becoming a, a big deal in the lower 48, like little mobile markets and things. And I was like, she's like, you know, so just drive around and like you can collect or have different products, some you grow if you want, whatever, and, and you can reach more people that way. And I was like, oh, man, I don't know, like that doesn't sound cool at all. <laughs> um, and then, not that it didn't sound cool, I was just like, I don't know the feasibility of that. And uh, so then I was scrolling through Facebook and I saw a bus for sale, <laughs> like almost the same day. And uh, I was like, well, <laughs> I guess <laughs> we'll give it a shot. And if nothing else, we'll have a cool camper. So that was the, uh, the inception of the roaming route. And it, it sounds like how a lot of chefs get started, especially food truck chefs. Yeah, yeah. So now, what's been some of the unique challenges of starting this business model compared to uh, solid brick and mortar? <laughs> maintenance. <laughs> <laughs> Bus maintenance, for sure. <laughs> um, which, I mean, I guess isn't even all that unique because anyone who works in a brick and mortar, they're going to have issues with, you know, the heat and the air conditioning and the plumbing and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, there's definitely some days where I... I show up and go to work and turn on the bus and just nothing happens. <laughs> um, so that's been some challenges. But other than that, the, the biggest challenge I have is um, because it's such a small space, and this is on my mind more now, uh, because it's such a small space, I feel like I constantly have to keep new products in there in order to keep people coming back because I can't, you know, I, I can only expand up to 23 feet. I can't go beyond that. Um, so just kind of like maintaining relevancy and, and maintaining reasons for people to keep coming back and keep looking for new things. That's been a little bit of a challenge. I've gone down some weird rabbit holes, finding <laughs> the folks <laughs> whose stuff I carry. So. And now, how, how's that process kind of work? Uh, is it stuff that you see that somebody else has made or are they people reaching out to you or how, how's that kind of work, especially with limited space like that? Yeah, um, it's a little bit of both. Um, there are some things that I like definitively said, like I, I can't carry that. There's too many people that make it. And if I carry one, 
it's going to be hard to say no to the others, um, that kind of thing. But um, um, for the most part, I'm willing to kind of give anything a shot. But yeah, some of it, you know, like there's things that I've seen in other businesses that I'm like, oh, I want to try carrying that. Um, there are some people that have reached out to me um, and asked for me to try their products. Uh, so it's kind of a combination of the two. I do a lot of cold calling also. <laughs> so I, I know yeah. a lot of those, um, I won't say struggles, but a lot of those scenarios myself here doing this show is we, we do one, one type of business and then not realizing there's 20 other people that do the same thing. <laughs> And of course, you know, everybody wants exposure and we want to give everybody exposure. So it's exactly, like, well, just, just hold on a minute. Let, let, yeah. let me run this one and then we'll, we'll run another one. For sure. <laughs> How long have you been open? Uh, so I opened, I had my soft opening on February, yeah, February 29th. And then I had my grand opening on March 6th. And I was open for all of two weekends before I had to close down for COVID. Um, so I've been reopened now for about five or six weeks. And how, how has the, the local community, what's the response been from them? I know I've been to Fairbanks. I haven't been much around there, just mainly to the train depot and the hotel. So what's been the response from seeing somebody like you come in and be able to kind of act almost like a farmer's market on wheels, I want to say? Yeah. I think, I think farmers are, so like, yeah, so before I address your question, I think like farmer's market on wheels is the most um, accurate description of what I do. However, I steer clear of that because like the state's technical definition of a farmer's market um, involves people who make their own products and then sell them. And I don't make anything in the bus or grow anything in the bus. It's, it's all retail and it's all other people's work. So though that's probably, that gives people the most accurate picture. It's not something that I um, kind of tout too heavily, but, um, to, to answer your question, yeah, the, the community response has been great. Fairbanks is, Fairbanks is just such a cool town. Um, it's a very small town in that, you know, everyone knows everyone or knows someone who knows your friend and that and the other. So, um, in that regard, it's been kind of easy for word to get around. And there are a lot of box stores up here. There are a lot of, you know, corporate presences up here. Um, but I think this is the kind of thing that people, you know, I mean, like we're at the end of the road essentially. So, um, we deal with supply chain issues all winter long when it comes to fresh produce and things like Join the 49th Mill podcast at the fall festival this August 29th with our first best of the Valley barbecue cook-off. We will have team competitions for best ribs, chickens, and burgers, and the best in show. Sign up a team of one to four people by July 30th for $50 a team to win cash and prizes from local businesses and support the Alaska Farmland Trust. Visit www.49thmeal.com to get more information on signing up. See you there. It's not, I think everyone who lives here is used to just seeing stores poorly stocked. Um, so people, I think there's a, a strong desire to support local and to shorten our food supply chain and increase our food security. And uh, I've really seen a positive response um, from that aspect. So it's it's been really, really cool actually to see. And what's a lot of the products you sell i know you said it's uh all alaskan made or grown is it more yeah. fresh produce or is it more product making or a good blend of both 
it's so I'm starting to see more and more fresh produce, obviously, as we move into summer, but um, there's actually a really impressive amount. There's a really impressive amount of shelf stable food products that are made. So you have all of your seasonings, um, you know, your barbecue rubs, things like that. But then you also have like granola and, you know, the Alaska Flour Company puts out some amazing products for like pancake mix and for couscous, like things like staple food items that people would want to eat with dinner. So yeah, there's, there's all, there's, there's a really like a surprising amount of variety um, that I've managed to pack in there. (laughs) A lot of snack stuff, some sweet stuff, some stuff that's considered gifts or, you know, that people would assume is targeted more towards like a tourist population. But um, I think the, the main thing, like what I want to do with this to go on a little bit of tangent what I want to do with this is grow it into an area where people see it as a viable alternative to the grocery store, to the big corporate box stores. So when they look at their grocery list, they say, oh, I can get at least half of this at the Roman route. So like on that note, if you're, if you're willing to be creative and try a couple of new things, then a lot of what I carry in there can actually be a part of a staple diet. That's pretty cool. I mean, that's kind of <laughs> one of the things that got me started on this podcast, being a chef was just seeing the amount of food and products that are made here in Alaska that you really don't think about too much. Yeah. I mean, like yeah. flour, for example, you, you know, you right. go to Fred Meyers at Walmart, you buy your 10 pound bag of flour, throw it on the counter or in the sh- wherever. And it sits there. And I never, never thought couscous and flour and granola would be things or even coffee that we would have made here in Alaska. I, yeah, right? It's incredible. <laughs> There's actually, I mean, like, and I mean, like Taco Loco um, does tortillas. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of just really, really cool stuff that's made in the state. Um, we don't have, as from a food security standpoint, we don't have a supply issue. We have a supply chain management issue. And that's the biggest issue that I'm trying to address. And, and what are some of the challenges with the supply chain? I know you said you mentioned you had a background in logistics and obviously that's a huge thing, especially COVID, I think, brought it front and center to everybody's mind, even if you weren't paying attention to begin. Yeah. <laughs> but what what is some of those uh, challenges that are unique to Alaska for the supply chain? Well, oh man, I mean, well, just distance is the biggest one, you know, um, we're thousands of miles from the nearest, like, large scale food production center. So that's, that's definitely one, weather, you know, weather plays a role, we all know, we all are kind of familiar with those issues. But the supply chain issues that I see from within uh, the state of Alaska, which are ones that we are obviously more able to address, are, um, it's, 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 not a lot of things that we can control, but um, the fact that, well, there's, there's no, there's starting to be more consolidated points for, for retailing food. So like prior to what I'm doing, what Arctic Harvest Deliveries is doing, what Panhandle Produce are doing, um, prior to them, there was no one place to come and get all of this stuff. So you have like in the interior, especially farms are generally, they tend towards the smaller side. Um, because of the permafrost that we have and the hills that we have, there are no large, you know, multiple hundred tracts of land, multiple hundred acre tracts of land that people can farm. Um, so because they're smalling far, farming smaller, um, 
they're generally working off the farm. They, they being farmers, um, which limits their ability to get to the farmer's market, which limits their ability to really meet their customer base because they're just, they're doing too much. Right. Um, so that is something that we can address just by having more stores like this, that channel local food into one point. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I know, um, we just, last week we talked with, uh, Arctic Harvest Deliveries. Yeah. And, uh, we've talked with, uh, Panhandle Produce. So it's, to me, it's really cool to see the, the, I don't want to use the term lightly, but the small guys kind of <laughs> stepping in to fill fill that gap over multi million dollar corporations coming yeah. in dominating everything. Thanks. So now with uh, the COVID, I obviously we've uh, talked on Facebook for a little while. I've been definitely following what you guys were doing, and um, I know you kind of really stepped up to try to help the community out a lot during the COVID crisis the lockdowns and everything if you want to kind of talk about that a little yeah sure I um well as a as a brand like I mentioned earlier like my my big fear is losing relevancy um through this process so I had one full day where I just pouted and I was like oh man I'm gonna lose my business this is you know I'm never gonna come back from this kind of thing which I'm sure any small business owner over the last six months four months has has been able to to (laughs) to say as well Um, and then I was like, you know, I just, I have to keep, I have to keep moving stuff off of the shelves, however I can do it. So I switched to a delivery process. Um, people would text me or call me or message me with a delivery order and I would drive it straight to their house. Um, and it was really cool because like some of these folks, they were quarantining, you know, strictly quarantining. So they wouldn't see any other people or they wouldn't go to the store. So that was their only access to leafy greens and some of that other stuff. So it was really fulfilling. Um, and it really kind of helped get the word out about my business as well. Um, and let people know that like, Hey, we are still, we are still planning on operating. Like we are getting through this, that kind of thing. So it, it, I, I hope it benefited the community. Um, I know it benefited the business as well. So it's kind of a, a doubly beneficial, course of action I guess yeah win-win in probably the hardest time heck probably most of our country's ever faced yeah Um, I I mean I hesitate to call it a win-win just because like I mean there's so many people that are suffering and there's so many businesses that are suffering right now um so I definitely yeah you know I mean that just that doesn't feel okay to say yeah no I I um get what you're saying on that yeah it's yeah beneficial well beneficial that's yeah yeah yeah. And now where can people find you? And if, uh, do you have like kind of a set schedule where you're at or is yeah. it the name of the roaming? Yeah. <laughs> so I do roam as the name suggests. Um, so I'm open Tuesday through Saturday and, uh, I go to a different place each day, but each day of the week is the same place. So every Tuesday, for instance, I'm at Black Spruce Brewing Company. Um, every Wednesday I'm at Justice Store on Sheena Pump Road. Every Thursday I'm at Ivory Jacks. Every Friday I'm at Toy Quest, you know, and every Saturday I'm at Blush Moon Boutique. Um, and I post my schedule. I am doing a couple of like fairs and events and things like that this summer. So I post my schedule on my website, uh, which is roamingroutak.com. 
And I also post it on Facebook and Instagram. So anyone who follows us can get those updates. And, and what are those uh, social media tags so people could look them up? Um, Facebook is the Roaming Root Market and Instagram is the Roaming, or I'm sorry, Facebook is just the Roaming Root. And then Instagram is the Roaming Root Mobile Market. Excellent. And if uh, you're listening to the show and you would like to follow the Roaming Route, and I hope you do, please go ahead and click up on our icon wherever you're listening to this podcast, and it will take you to our show notes. We will have those links there for you. And now, COVID. I, I'm not, I've not been too familiar with Fairbanks's reopening or their, as, as much of their response as I have been down here in the Valley in Anchorage. What, what is it looking like up there for businesses being able to come back and uh, for your business? Because, I mean, being on a bus, obviously, you're in a small area. You, you don't have 10,000 square foot. Yeah. <laughs> so how's that affected you? Well, probably less so than some larger stores, honestly, just because uh, I don't have like the same, you know, I, I always leave the back door of the bus open, windows open, things like that. So there's like constant fresh air circulating. Um, so, you know, unlike stores that have kind of forced air systems and things like that, I think, um, yeah, I, I think the effects have been fairly minimal. I try, I do try to limit the number of people on the bus at any given time. Um, and depending on whoever's in there, it's, it's kind of up to them and their comfort level. So I'll do anywhere from like one to three people max. Um, and again, that's just kind of depending on the comfort of, of people that are in there at the time and, and whether masks are being worn and things like that. Um, I absolutely encourage mask wearing. I wear my mask, um, but occasionally you have people that come on that that don't. So um, if that's the instance, then I usually just keep it at one person. Um, and I have seen some effects of that. Like I have seen some people who don't want to wait and they'll drive away. Um, but for the most part, people are understanding and they're patient and, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, like I said earlier, like the whole response, not just to my business, but, um, to kind of the solidarity that has come out of COVID as a whole has been really encouraging. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of what I've seen down here and I'm one of those people, I hate the mask, but yeah, (laughs) in my general day to day I'm usually not a big fan of wearing them, but if I'm going into somebody's business, especially somebody's small business, I I generally automatically put it on just for the fact that, you know, it's their business. If that's what they want to do to make people feel comfortable, then I'm all for it because that's the only way we're getting our, our state back open is for people to feel safe and comfortable. Uh, you were talking about you're going to be doing some fairs and markets. I know down here we had the state fair canceled here in the Valley. And yeah, some, I was sad to see that. <laughs> yes. It, it was, I was so bummed because this was going to be my first year to be able to go to it. I've never experienced Oh, no. Oh, I'm so sorry. But what, what type of events are um, you going to be at? And what's things looking like up there in the Fairbanks area for people that like to still support the events? Yeah. Um, well, so most of them have been moved to outdoors if they weren't already. Um, so tomorrow, for instance, uh, the Fairbanks food truck rally, excuse me, is going on. A women's affair uh, is going to be moved from the Carlson Center to the fairgrounds so it can be outdoors. And that's going to be August 1st and 2nd. So uh, I'll be attending that. And then let's see. 
oh, like Golden Days is happening um, and there's a yoga fest that's happening and they're both, they both, the, the organizers of both of those events have taken COVID into consideration and kind of mitigated their plans to ensure that everyone feels safe. So I think, um, I think considering they can be done, you know, relatively safely, I, I think it's actually going to be a decent turnout. People want to get out and experience summer the way they're used to. Um, so yeah, I think there'll be enough people that, that kind of want that feeling of normalcy that will make an effort and show up and support local. Um, and obviously just do it from, from a safe distance and in a safe manner. Nice. Yeah, so, I know. Uh, yeah. It's been, it's been different for me and my wife this year. We've been able to, we've been trying to support as many local businesses as we can. And like we, we've gone out and do done some stuff that we normally probably wouldn't do in the summer just for the sure. fact that it's overran with tourists or we're working because that's our busy season too. So it's been nice to be able to get out and kind of support some of these local businesses and enjoy Alaska as a tourist without having to leave. Yeah, that's awesome. Good for you guys. And now um, one thing I really like to ask, and I know especially you're in the infancy of your business <laughs> and had it all shook up with this COVID, but where do you <laughs> see your business going in the next, let's say two to three year time frame, and kind uh, of the big, the the big end goal. You know, I I have like five of them, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know which one's actually going to come to fruition. So, um, I see this growing into like multiple buses. Um, I see this growing into if anyone is familiar with uh, Goldie's and their business style, they have an airstream trailer that they renovated into a bar. And they park it like inside a garage um, that they have painted and they have bathrooms in and everything else. So people can hang out inside the garage and attend Goldie's um, or they can pull it out and go to events. So like that's a second option, which would kind of be a brick and mortar sort of, but not really. Um, But like it would be a brick and mortar, I guess, but the bus could still be a part of it, which would be really cool. Um, I see it growing into like a traditional brick and mortar where the bus maybe isn't a part of it. Uh, though uh, that, that, that scenario breaks my heart. <laughs> so I don't know if that will ever happen. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of different ideas that I have and I, I'm just going to kind of ride this wave. And I am sure as time goes on, the, the method of growth that makes the most sense will kind of, will kind of stick out, you know? I'm not going to force it. I'm just going to see what happens. And now for people that might be listening, I know we have a lot of small, obviously food and beverage makers that um, have been on the show and hopefully listen to the show. If they're interested in getting hold of you about carrying their products, yeah, the best way yes. for them to do that? Um, they can call me. Uh, my number is posted on my Facebook page or on my website, uh, or they can email me or they can message me. I mean, really any way that they feel like reaching out, I'm, I'm 100% receptive to that. Awesome. Yeah. I love oh. that. That's been one of my most rewarding things doing this show is when I hear of different guests getting together and collaborating. Yeah. And yeah. I, I've said it on several episodes and, I know coming from Texas, we all know about Southern hospitality, but it has nothing <laughs> on Alaskan hospitality. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
That's very true. What's so a question I have and something I'm curious about. I know you said you started February, which is the end of winter. What what are you planning on a winter season looking like for the bus? I know <laughs> obviously our produce goes significantly lower. There's still some greenhouses and stuff, but what 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 does a winter look like, especially with the travel aspects and everything of I know Fairbanks gets cold and icy. <laughs> it does, yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm working on a couple of different scenarios where I can park the bus. I, I live a little bit out of town and this past winter, I would literally, this, it was such a nightmare. I would have to drive the bus with tire chains up to the top of my driveway, take the tire chains off, drive into town and it's a rear wheel, rear wheel drive bus. So I'm going, you know, 30 miles an hour, maybe, uh, drive it into town, park it bring it back, set everything up on the shelves, sale, uh, or sell, um, drive it, take everything down, drive it home, put the tire chains back on down the road from our house, come down the driveway, and then everything had to come out of the bus so it didn't freeze. So it was just an insanely time-consuming process. So I'm looking for a heated garage closer to town where I can store it, um, and that will make all the difference in the world. But a couple of the a couple of the things that I plan on doing to it this summer is I'm actually going to have a solar setup put on it and I'm going to get a Webasto heater that's going to run directly off of my gas tank put into it as well. So I'll have a forced air heating system in it. Um, there's already, it's already insulated. So I'll continue, there, there will be days when it is simply too cold for me to get out. Uh, but for the most part, up to maybe minus 10, minus 20, I should be able to get out on the road and should be able to maintain comfortable temperatures inside there. Um, so I plan on doing that. And then from the, the produce perspective, there are a couple of growers up here that grow year round, um, using hydroponic systems and things like that. So I should have access to fresh greens year round. And then, you know, I think, I think this is a common misconception just because we don't see it because the farmer's markets closed down, but there are a lot of vegetables that will last through the winter. Um, I was selling beets up until April, I believe. I'm still selling carrots and potatoes from last year. Um, but cabbages, squash, you know, kohlrabi, turnips, those will all last well into the winter. So um, those are all items that I plan on carrying. And uh, I, I think I think we'll see a more robust selection of produce than we realize right now but it'll be interesting to see how that plays out yeah that that will will be because that was just one thing as we were talking i was kind of thinking i'm like i know fairbanks gets cold how does that yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's going to be a very careful little dance but <laughs> i think i'll be able to pull it off and now i know one thing i love about alaska is some of the uniqueness of what people can make out of things what's some of the more unique stuff you've had come through the bus or had uh people people approach you with <laughs> oh boy um what's that i said gotta get throwing that one one trick yeah. question <laughs> yeah well i think so there's a lot of cool stuff being done with seaweed um and i think we're kind of realizing this as a state that like seaweed can be a really sustainable and really large market um, but you know, Barnacle Foods makes hot sauce and salsas out of their kelp products, which is like so cool. Um, Alaska coastal seaweed dehydrates them. 
and then sells them as like little snacks, which I had no idea that that was like even a thing. Um, there's, I think like the most random one, um, there's a gentleman down in Soldatna that orders pistachios, obviously not grown in Alaska, but then he seasons them with like, and he's got like 30 different flavors of pistachios that he does. Um, really? and it's just, it's kind of like, it's just one of the most random and delicious and interesting things I think I've seen so far. Um, so that one's a lot of fun. The seaweed thing was, is that totally caught me off guard when I came up here. Cause I mean, I, I love sushi. I love Japanese food. Obviously there's some use for it there, but then to see um, like barnacle foods, cause we were down in Sitka for a year and a half when we first moved up here. Oh, cool. And uh, yeah, to see everybody with the seaweed and it's really good product. It's not just yeah. bitter, salty, like I'm used to with seaweed stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I'm surprised at just, yeah, how good it is. <laughs> well, um, is there anything else you want to let our listeners know about you, your business, or just anything that um, you feel they need to know about what's going on? Um, not quite, but there's one thing that you said earlier that I'd like to address when you, okay. you said that you hesitate to call us the little guys. And I, I can't speak for any other person who does, you know, stuff along the lines that I do. But like, personally, I take, I take a lot of pride in being the little guy. I don't think you should ever apologize for saying that. Um, <laughs> point taken. I mean, I, I, I know it's one of those things, like it's that fighting spirit. I won't say I hate, but I hesitate to use the term because even though you guys might be littler in name recognition than the big box stores, a, a lot of the people I talk to, you guys put in 10 times the amount of work and hustle <laughs> than yep. some of the big box stores. And, and that's why I, I hate to use the word little. No, I, I, I totally you get guys it. I'm, I'm teasing you. <laughs> services are, are great. Yeah. Well, and that's like, I mean, honestly, the reason I'm doing what I'm doing you know, I've had friends there that joke, they're like, you should go on Shark Tank. And I was like, I can never go on Shark Tank. Like I have no goals or aspirations of growing outside of Alaska. First, like I can't accept products from outside of Alaska. My business model is Alaskan grown. And uh, so that limits my growth, but, but I'm doing it specifically, not specifically, but I'm doing it in part because like, I want to see our entire food system revolutionized. And, um, you know, I'm a drop in the bucket, but uh, enough drops can, can affect that sort of change. So yeah, it's you know, uh, I, I can small, totally, small, but mighty we can go with. <laughs> I, I can totally relate to that. Um, especially with the format of my show, everybody told me I was crazy. Oh, you can't get enough listeners. You're, you're narrowing your market down, especially already in a small state. Now you're doing just food and beverages. And it's like, no, you don't understand is that, Alaska has its own spirit to it. Every business yeah. has yeah. its own spirit to it. And just the phenomenal support and growth from even on the show point has uh, just been amazing to, to get it. So I totally get the not wanting to expand outside because then it, it takes away from what we're truly trying to highlight. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Absolutely. Erica, it has been great to get to know you and talk to you yeah. a little bit. We will definitely keep following you and I can give you my word as soon as we get our trip up to Fairbanks, we will come up and say hi and come check out the roaming route in person. 
That sounds great. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful for your time and for what you're doing and just helping spread the word about some really awesome Alaskan businesses. Yeah, so, and, thank uh, you. Real quick, if you want to uh, plug out your social medias again real quick, that way yeah. in case somebody missed them at the beginning of the interview, they know where to look you up and find you. For sure. So I can be found at HTTPS, uh, roamingrootak.com or on Facebook at The Roaming Root, or on Instagram at The Roaming Root Mobile Market. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Have a fantastic day. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our interview. If you enjoyed the interview, please go ahead and be sure to check the show notes so you can follow our guests on their social media. And we also ask that you please give us a thumbs up or a rating wherever you are listening to this podcast. And if you did not like the show, well, just go ahead and listen to something else then. Nobody needs a negative Nancy. Thank you for listening to my daddy, Hugh Ladle. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.